Zero carbon building. This expression has been in vogue for several years now, but what does it really mean? First of all, we're all familiar with the term building. Now on to carbon. This is shorthand for atmospheric greenhouse gas emissions. For example, constructing or redeveloping a building has a carbon footprint of varying magnitude. But the most crucial word in the expression "zero carbon building" is zero, because yes, the ultimate idea is to make a building entirely carbon neutral. When taken together, the words "zero carbon building" refer to a process where the construction sector is increasingly involved. Okay, so in practical terms, what's behind the term "zero carbon building"? And how is this idea reinventing the world of tomorrow? I'm Amy, and I'm James. Together, let's decode the ideas that are shaping the future of sustainable construction. Constructing new worlds by Saint-Gobain. Behind words, solutions, and innovations for a sustainable future. You must have heard about carbon neutrality when the Paris Agreement was signed at the end of 2015 during the COP21. In the face of the climate crisis, many countries are committed to achieving carbon neutrality by 2050 in all sectors, including construction, which alone accounts for 38% of global emissions. Today, when it comes to taking action on climate change, we're increasingly thinking in terms of CO2 emissions. For buildings, everyone is increasingly aware of carbon emissions and is trying to reduce them as much as possible. For that, let's make a list of all the steps you'll need to redevelop or build: construction method, production of materials, transport to the site, installation, time on site, how materials are handled at the end of their life cycle, absolutely everything. In the case of a zero carbon building, everything that happens on the construction site must add up to zero net carbon. Zero net carbon. A new way of calculating the actual carbon footprint of each building is emerging, called life cycle assessment. Now, it's not only operational emissions that are taken into account—that is to say, those directly linked to the building's use, such as heating and lighting—and which, by the way, make up the most significant part of the construction sector's emissions. But which are falling, thanks to important progress in decreasing energy needs by improving the building envelope. Replacing electrical appliances with more efficient solutions, or moving towards 100% renewable energy. Yeah, that's right. So, in addition to these emissions, you also have to add those linked to design, construction, redevelopment, demolition, and maintenance. This second type of carbon emission, called embodied, was not factored into calculations in the past, even though it accounts for around 11% of global emissions. And it's the hardest part to reduce. How can we deal with this carbon? Well, the first step is to use the pre-existing building as much as possible and avoid demolishing it altogether. It's about reusing materials and recycling everything that can be recycled, whether during construction or renovation. Actually, it's about taking a whole series of measures to minimize the waste of embodied energy. What's more is that today, the average quantity of carbon emitted or stored by any given material can be easily known. It's measurable. Right, right. I imagine that the carbon footprint of materials is becoming paramount both in new buildings and during renovation. Yes, and there are several ways of reducing it. 
Depending on the situation, you can use a recycled product or a product that incorporates biosourced materials of natural origin or byproducts from other industries, such as slag for cement production. So people are trying to obtain raw materials that produce fewer emissions. For example, by using low-carbon power sources to improve the energy efficiency of manufacturing processes. Raw material and finished product transportation is another area where the carbon footprint needs to be reduced. And of course, let's not forget recycling and the reuse of products at the end of their life cycles. We're going to try and reduce the carbon footprint of buildings along their entire value chain. So, in a net carbon building, it's all a question of analytical finesse and nuance. And has the building sector adopted such an idea? The World Green Building Council mentioned some good examples in its last annual report. Among others, there's the Canadian company Nexi, which has perfected a sustainable alternative to conventional concrete that both reduces construction waste to nearly zero and also shortens on-site construction time. Does it cost more to make zero-carbon buildings? It doesn't necessarily cost more to use biosourced or recycled materials. Besides, it's possible to reduce a building's carbon footprint from the first moment it's designed, thereby favorably influencing costs. For example, by imagining a lightweight or compact design that optimizes the building's surface area compared with the volume required to heat it. Behind the zero-carbon building process, there aren't many precise or universal targets to reach at the end of the day. Each country has its own regulatory tools and legal obligations, its own labels and certifications, its own guides and best practices. But what's certain is that this process makes the path to true carbon neutrality both more authentic and more achievable. The commitments made by metropolitan areas and construction companies worldwide still need to be translated into reality. New building projects from 2030 onwards must be constructed in such a way that no carbon is emitted during their use. As for remaining buildings, they have until 2050 to adapt. To achieve this goal, people are working together today to imagine from day one how buildings could change use and be deconstructed in the future. Constructing New Worlds by Saint-Gobain. Behind words, solutions, and innovations for a sustainable future.